tonight. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. Don't put it up yet. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. All right, you can put it up. Just kidding, don't put it up. All right, you can put it up. <laughs> they hate me. <clears throat> we're in verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. This is what it says. Um, not, and this is Paul talking, by the way. Paul is the author of Philippians. Paul wrote a majority of the New Testament. He's one of the greatest apostles to ever live. And this is him talking. So a lot of times when he talks, I try to listen. This is what he says. Not that I already, uh, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay, lay hold of it for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many of us are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you. However, this is important, check this out. Let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Let us keep living by the standard to which we have attained. This passage of scripture is so interesting to me because uh, there's a lot going on, but Paul is talking um, to a group of people and he's encouraging them to continue to press on, to keep moving forward, to don't just stop where you are, and be okay with the decision that you made, but to press on and to grow. Tonight, I want to talk to you from the subject of trusting the process. How do we trust the process? Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you so much um, for Rico Suave. His keys playing is just incredible. Um, thank you for what you've done already in this place. Thank you for the incredible worship that we just had, God. And I just ask you in this moment, prepare some hearts. Some people need to hear this word and they need to grow closer to you. God, I pray that that's what tonight is. Speak through me, Lord, and speak to your people. God, we love you. And everybody said, amen. Question, question for you. Does anybody in here work out? Anybody work out? Some people are like, I don't want to raise my hand because does that make me a jerk? I can't really... And then some people are like, I don't care. I'll work out, dude. Look at my biceps. Does anybody like, like, okay, so we have some people that like work out like on Mondays when they feel it and they feel bad about what they ate on Sunday, but then the rest of the week they take it off. And then we have people that like work out. You know what I'm talking about? Like, does anybody like work out, work out? Like you, you are committed to your fitness. You do the whole meal prep thing and you got your Tupperware and you're, you just, are, you, you're a worker outer. You do good with that. I'm going to be honest about working out. Can I, can I, is, is this a place where we can be vulnerable? Can we be vulnerable right now? Working out to be, it's great for you. I love it, what it does for you. I mean, it gets your mind right. Your, your body starts to look better. You're sculpting things up. And it's just, it's good discipline, but I hate it. Like genuinely, here's the thing, here's the thing. And, and anybody who likes working out, I think you're a psycho. Because let me explain, let me, okay, and here's the reason. Let me explain what working out is, okay? Some of you guys don't know this, but this is science. This is really what's happening when you're working out. You are tearing your muscles. You're tearing your muscles. Like, who does that willingly? You're tearing your muscles apart and allowing them to, to rebuild only so you can tear them apart again. 
Brilliant. Great idea. Let's do it. Hey, I want to do that Monday, Wednesday through Friday. I love it. Work out. What kind of people do that? That's punishment. Like, like I don't understand. And here's the thing. Is anybody bad about, like, getting on a kick where they work out for, like, two weeks and they're hitting it hard, they're eating great, and then that first, like, hiccup that comes and they're like, well, forget this. I'm out. I call these people, like me, Planet Fitnessers. Like, this, <laughs> this is just what we do. You know what I'm saying? It's only $10 a month, so if I don't go, it's all good. But, like, does it... <laughs> Does anybody get into that place? Well, we want something because you, you know why we always, here, here's the, here's, Planet Fitness needs to pay money to these people, okay? Instagram. That's why we all work out. We see a body on Instagram, we're like, oh, I could do that. Boom. Planet Fitness, hey, I want to start a membership. That's how we do it. Like, like we see something on Instagram, we're like, boom, I got to go. I need to get my Planet Fitness on chest day. What's up? Next day, nah, I'm out. But does anybody find themselves like in that spot where they, 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 they want something and they see this beautiful picture of what it's supposed to be and they want it to happen instantly? I was that kid. And y'all probably knew this kid back in elementary school, but y'all know the kids that like said that they were going to the NBA, but they couldn't really play that great. They could dress good though, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all remember when AI used to wear the arm sleeve and, and I didn't, I wanted to go to the NBA, hated working out, but I could rock an arm sleeve, you know what I'm saying? I could rock the shooting sleeve but I didn't, I didn't ever want to put in the work to get to the next level. Does anybody find themselves in a spot where they want something? They can see this upward prize. They can see this thing that looks great, this body they could have, but they're just not really willing to put in the work. Have you ever found that to be the case in your own life? What about in your spiritual life? Have you ever made a decision to follow Jesus and you notice that the next six months don't look any different than the past six months? Have you ever made a turn to walk away from some things and say, you know what, Jesus, I want to repent and I'm going to start walking this way only to find yourself in reverse? Have you ever been in that spot? You know what we call it in Christianese world? We call it seasons. We say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really feeling God right now. It must be a different season. I'm just in a season, okay? It's fall, but it should be summer. So whenever God comes around, it'll be my spiritual summer, and it'll be great. I'll be jumping in the pool of God. You know, it's just good. We, we make up different stuff. We call it, we say, I'm in, a, I'm in a spiritual lull right now, okay? Got a lot going on. And just God, I'm just, I'm in a lull. Well, you know, I just haven't read your Bible in like six weeks, so... Have you ever found yourself in these, these different times where it feels like you're not where you were? I want to talk about that tonight. Because here's the thing. Our culture teaches us that we're supposed to have these different things that are great instantaneously. Boom. 30-minute abs. You do this ab workout for six weeks, 30 minutes a day, three days a week, you're going to have abs like... The rock. Here's the thing about 30-minute abs. The only way you get 30-minute abs is you spray them on. Like, there is, no, there is no quick fix to anything in our world. But, but the way that our culture depicts it to us is that we can have anything we want so quick. It's in the palm of our hand. Any information that we need, we just call this really, really smart dude named Google. We, that's all we got to do. And a lot of times, this seeps over into our spiritual lives. Because here's the thing, that's a principle. That's a principle of this world. If you want it, grab it when you need it. J.G. Wentworth, 
get your money when you need it. But that's what the world tells us. You can have it now. Grab it now. It's yours now. But here's the thing about Christianity. It doesn't follow the principles of this world. Here's the thing. If you want something incredible in the kingdom, you don't get it now. There's a, there, there is a principle at work in our spiritual lives. It's patience that comes in our spiritual lives that we don't understand because our culture tells us that's not how it's supposed to work. So here's the thing. If the enemy can't stop you from receiving Jesus, what it does is it allows you to receive Jesus. Okay, boom, you, you did it. But what it does is, is, is it formulates your mind to think that that's supposed to happen the same way everything in the world does. So you're supposed to make a decision to follow Jesus, and six days later, you're supposed to be this incredible Christian that knows everything about Jesus, and boom, you don't need church, a Bible, good community, or anything else. As soon as you made the decision, you're good to go. Boom, ship it. You're in. You win. But that's not how the kingdom works. See, so many people, and I see this so often, they think that salvation happens and everything changes right then and there. They don't have to do anything else after that. Boom, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm supposed to change the world right now. Let's go. I'm going to take on hell with a water gun. But they don't understand that this is a process. This is a process, and that's exactly what Paul is talking about right here. What Paul is talking about is trusting in the process. Because, see, he understands that, th that nothing in the kingdom is instantaneous. Salvation happens, boom. It is an event. And here's the thing. This is not to diminish the incredible glory that is salvation because what I want you to understand is salvation is still a miracle because what is happening is you are a dead spirit and you're coming to life in Jesus Christ. That is something to celebrate, get excited over every single time. But what I'm trying to show you, young people, is that's not where it stops. That's just where it starts. That's just where it starts. We're going to dig into a little theology tonight. Because here's, here's what I don't agree with. There's this new age of Christianity that's like, I want to be Christian but not sound anything like the church. Like, I don't want to use churchy words. I don't want to, just forget that. I'm not down with that. There's nothing wrong with the church. I think the church is beautiful. I think that what we do in this body is incredible. This is how we change the world, the local church. So I'm not going to get afraid to preach a little bit of theology and to educate my young people on what this walk is supposed to look, that, is that, look like. Is that okay with y'all tonight? Is that okay? Boom. I don't care if it's okay with you or not, though. I'm still going to do it. I got the mic. You don't. But here's the thing. We're going we're gonna to dig apart a little theology tonight. Salvation is what happens when you accept Christ. It happens instantaneously. Boom. As soon as you pray that prayer, prayer and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again with all power, you're saved. You have it. You accept that forgiveness, you accept that salvation, and it's done. It's over. The event happens. But here's what happens next. And just as equally as important is the process that it takes to becoming like Christ. The Bible says, the Bible says, and Paul writes this, that, that the one who, who began a good work in you will perfect it in the day of Christ. So what you got to understand is what's happening to you right now. As soon as you made the decision, the event happened, boom, you got saved. Now you're walking this journey, and that process is called sanctification. 
salvation, the event. You prayed, Jesus came into your heart, you heard that Hillsong song, it was incredible, God is working in your life. Boom, as soon as you take that first step to grow a little bit closer to Jesus Christ, you begin on this incredible, beautiful process called sanctification in which you are trying to become more and more like Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. A lot of times in our culture, we prioritize salvation, and a lot of times we neglect sanctification. What we need to understand is that sanctification goes hand in hand with salvation. You don't just get saved and decide whether or not you get sanctified. You get saved, that happens, and by default, because you are living in an age of grace and you believe in Jesus Christ, you start walking on this path called sanctification. Salvation is the event. Sanctification is the process. A lot of people get wrapped up in this stuff and they think, man, the glossy salvation, I can just get saved, give my life over to Jesus Christ, and since I prayed that prayer, everything's gonna change. I don't have to make an event. I don't have to, I don't have to make a change. I don't have to make any adjustments. I can just believe in Jesus, and now everything's gonna be okay because that's what they say. That's not how it works. Put it to you like this. Put it to you like this. Any baseball players in the room? Any baseball players ever? Like, did you ever play anybody? Okay, there we go. They're like, I play a little league, dude. Huh? You probably weren't that good. Anyway, um, here's the thing. Here's the thing about baseball. Okay. So when when you make the Hall of Fame, a Hall of Famer, you only have to hit the ball what percentage of the time? Usually, thirty percent, right? You bat three hundred, you're in the, you're in the Hall of Fame. Bernie Mac did that movie, Mister Three Hundred. Boom. You only have to do 30% to be in the Hall of Fame. So it's already an incredible feat just to make contact with the ball, right? It's an incredible feat if you're a batter, even just to make contact with the baseball. But what if you stop there? The stance is great. You do that thing that Manny Ramirez does where you do the little batting gloves and then you spin your hands and boom, boom, boom. Everything's right. You even got some sunflower seeds in your lip. You're ready to go. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. And you make contact with the ball. Hips are turned. Boom. You're at the point of contact. Now, what happens if you stop? What happens if as soon as you make contact with the ball, you drop the bat? See, here's what you got to understand about baseball is that the power of, of, of your swing does not come in the impact. The power of your swing comes in the follow-through. The power of your swing comes in the follow-through. It doesn't come as soon as you make contact with the ball. The contact with the ball is just the event. The follow-through is the process, and that's where the power comes. How many people in here know that it's not just faith that gets you to where you need to go. See, faith demands a follow-through. So in your life, you can't just stop at the moment of contact. You have to go through salvation into the process of sanctification because that's when power comes. What I want to tell you tonight is that faith, your faith in Jesus demands a follow-through. Your faith in Jesus demands a follow-through. I love what James says. James, the brother of Jesus, he writes this um, in his book. You've probably heard this before. James chapter 2, verse 14. This is what it says. 
What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, if it has no works, it's dead, being by itself. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. What that passage of Scripture is saying is that you can't truly have faith without the following three. You can't truly have faith if it is not preceded by an effort to grow closer to Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you here tonight that you need to change everything that you're doing and become this person that's so obsessed with doing good works and good works and posting pics about your mission trip with the kids in Africa on Instagram. I'm not telling you to just do, 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 do. I'm not telling you it's about works. But if you don't have any evidence of the grace that saves you, how do we know you actually had the grace that saved you? I'm not telling you that we are now in this brand new era that is only defined by works. It's only defined by how good you are or how good you seem. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that I do believe we are in an age of grace. Jesus came, he died for our sins, and I believe that 100%. We are in an age of grace. But here's the truth about grace. Grace doesn't compel me to sit on my feet and wait for Jesus to come back. Grace compels me to walk in the freedom that he's already called me into, and it compels me to act on his behalf. I'm living in grace. I believe that. But with this freedom comes the follow-through. We have to grow closer to Jesus through this process called sanctification. We can't just stay stuck in our same spot when we made impact. We're dropping the bat. And if you're in here tonight and you say, you know, I'm one of those people that just made impact and then I stopped. I got saved and then I stopped. I'm not growing. I'm not, here, here's the thing, I'm not putting you down. Not at all. Would never dream of it. Because you got to understand something about this book. This book that Paul was talking about, if we go back in the passage of Scripture that we read at the beginning in Philippians, you got to understand something about the church that Paul was talking to. See, the significance of that church that Paul was talking to was that was the very first church Paul ever planted in Europe. So Paul is talking to somebody who's very near and dear to his heart. And unlike most of the books that Paul had to write to, to get people to straighten up and stop acting like hooligans, these people, when Paul was writing in Philippians, these people are actually part of a healthy body. They're actually part of a, of a growing, developing church. Paul is talking to some people that for all intents and purposes kind of have it going on. They made the initial impact, and it was an incredible impact. Boom. They got saved. It started with one woman, and she was selling, like, purple garments. And Paul was like, you, I'm, I'm going to choose you. It started with one woman, and then just people started getting saved by the thousands. That's what's happening here. This is a, an incredibly healthy church. But Paul is saying you made the first initial impact, but now you have to press on. You have to keep going. You have to grow if this faith thing is going to be real. So what Paul is doing here in this passage of Scripture is not slapping anybody's hand, telling them they're punished. And that's not what I'm doing tonight. I'm encouraging you. If you did make that decision, listen, that's great. Let's roll now. Me and you, we can be partners. Let's go. 
That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, that was an incredible decision that you just made. Now let's keep going. He's answering the incredible question that's always asked by first-time believers of now what? I got saved, now what? Well, we have a beautifully clear picture of what to do now after we got saved. So let's go back to the passage of Scripture. Let's go back and look at Philippians. This is what it says. Give me a second because I lost my place. Boom, this is what it says. The first part that I want you to understand, verse 12. He's saying, not that I've already obtained it, not that I'm there, or have already become perfect. He's saying, I'm not, I didn't reach the pinnacle. I've never, I haven't arrived just yet. But what he says here is, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. First point tonight, let's get real practical. You want to grow, you want to develop, you want to keep going past impact and stop dropping the bat? Here's how you do it. Number one, you got to resist to change. You got to resist to change. Here's why. So Paul said, I got to press on. Here's the thing about press. When you press, there's always something you're pressing up against. So Paul's not just reaching forward towards Christ. Or he would have said, I'm just reaching. I'm just running. No opposition. I'm just running. Everything's free. What Paul said is, I have to press. That word press is an incredibly impactful word because it means there's something stopping you that you got to keep going through. What Paul is basically saying is not just that he has to press and reach. Paul is saying he has to resist the urge to walk backwards. Paul is saying he has to resist the urge to walk backwards to his former life if he's ever going to reach the upper call of Christ. So what I'm saying to you tonight is that if you're ever going to change and become the person of God that you're supposed to be, you have to resist the urge to change back to what you were. You got to resist to change. Paul says, I'm pressing on. You can't stop me. High is better than low. How many of us need to resist our past tonight? How many, how many of us need to resist the things we were doing six months ago? And then the next part of it, once you resist it, you're pushing up against it. You're doing something different in order to walk towards the upward call of Jesus Christ, leaving your past behind. And then point two, point two, what does he say? And keys, you can go ahead and come up. Point two, this is what he says. After he says, I press on, verse 16, however, and this is important because this is what, this is what brings it all together. He says, however, let us keep living in that same standard to which we have attained. Let us keep living by that same standard. Point two, you got to set a standard. If you, made, if you made a decision to follow Jesus and you're resisting that urge to change and go back to what you were, the second part you have to do is you got to set a standard. You have to set a standard. And here's the thing. You don't have to make up this crazy, insane, church-like standard with rules and documentation and all these things that make sense and make it sound good. 
You don't have to do anything extra. Here's why the standard has already been set. The standard is Jesus Christ. What does Paul say? He always says this. He says, be imitators of who? Christ. Be imitators of Christ. The standard's been set. This, young, young people, the standard has already been set. So what I'm really saying is, when I say set a standard, I'm saying be like Christ. And the only way to understand what Christ did and how he lived is to be inside of his word. So if you're ever going to get past that initial point of impact, you're going to have to resist the urge to change, and then you're going to have to be able to understand how to set a standard of living. See, some people in here tonight are believers, but they haven't set a standard to live their life by. They're believers, but they still think it's okay to go party and, and hang out with the same people that they were hanging out with. They don't have a standard of living. Some people are, are, are believers in this place tonight, but they don't, they don't have a standard when it comes to relationships. They're still freely jumping in relationships with people that don't believe in Jesus and making mistake after mistake and saying, God, I just don't know why. It's because you don't have a standard of living. If you're ever going to get past that initial point of impact and see the power that's in the follow-through, you're going to have to be able to set a standard of living that goes past, oh, yeah, well, this feels right and that feels right. I don't really feel bad about doing this. I don't really feel... It doesn't matter what you feel like. It matters what's truth. I get it. You don't feel like those things are wrong because it goes against your social moral compass right now and CNN tells you it's not right. But here's the thing. Jesus don't listen to CNN. This is truth. You got to set a standard to live by. You have to set a standard you're living by. And I want you to understand this again. I, I don't want it to feel like I'm beating you up. I'm not, I promise. I'm encouraging you. And this is what I'm encouraging you with is listen, so many people here are at that very point. Like we said earlier, you're at that point. You just made contact with the living God, and it was incredible. Your life was forever changed. Here's the truth about Christianity. Here's the truth about following Jesus is it's not an event. It's a process. Following Jesus is not an event. It's a process. We've got to trust the process. Faith demands a follow-through. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, there's some people in this place that need to make a decision. They need to make a decision to walk past that initial point of impact. They need to make a decision that their faith is going to see a follow-through. They need to make a decision to trust the process. And I ask God that you're touching hearts right now. You're moving on hearts. And you're already making changes in people's lives. God, I just pray that it doesn't stop here. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you begin changing hearts and you begin showing faith that there's a follow-through. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for that word tonight? That's so awesome, and it's exactly what I needed to hear. And I just hope that we don't stay in here and just listen to that and say, wow, that sounded so good. That was exactly what I needed to hear. Let's take practical steps to fixing these things and getting healthy and figuring out what do I need to do 
to be a better Christian, to be a better friend and a better relationship and have better standards for my life. And I think that the next thing for us to do is to find practical ways to fix those things. And so, like I said earlier, we have a class called guardrails. And I think that that's a really cool way for us to set those standards. Standards aren't strict and bad things. They're opportunities for us to be more like Jesus. And I love the word sanctification. It is a process. It takes steps. It's one foot in front of the other. So whether it is guardrails or getting out of the relationship that you're in, just carving out these negative things in your life, just find ways and steps to take to get closer to Jesus and to be more like him. Um, our ministry team is going to head up right now. If tonight's message impacted you in any way, if there's something that you need to get off your chest, um, that you need prayer for, we're here. We would love to pray with you, to talk with you, um, to listen to you. So um, you guys can go ahead and stand up. If that's you and you want prayer, um, come forward. Our ministry team is going to be happy to pray with you. If not, um, we were going to see you on Sunday at 11 a.m. on the left side. Um, but you're, you're dismissed. You're dismissed. <laughs>